Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Saints, I am Dr. Kamala D, your host and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. Today we are going to embark on a 36-week series. Yes, 36 weeks. So um, it's going to be a long series, but it will be a necessary series. I told you guys I was studying for... Um, a series that was going to take us about two months to complete, but we will probably end it maybe in December. It's necessary. Now, in between the series, I plan to play some teachings by the apostle, the late great apostle Frederick Casey Price and his son, Frederick K. Price Jr. in between this series. So, I want you to go to our foundational scripture. It's going to be the foundation of this series. It is John chapter 5. Go to John chapter 5 and verse 39. Now, I will be reading this scripture from the New King James. But throughout today's episode... I will be teaching and reading from the NIV, the New International Version. I may switch versions throughout this series. I don't know, or I may stick with the NIV. But the foundational scripture will be read from the New King James Version. Okay? So, for those of you who are having a difficult time find, finding John chapter 5, verse 39, you can pause the tape. And then resume once you find it. But I will begin reading. Verse 39. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. This is our Lord and Savior. The Messiah. The Christ talking to some unbelieving Sadducees and Pharisees who were arguing with him because he healed someone on the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. So, <coughs> excuse me. The name of this series is entitled, 
You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Yes, this series is about us searching the scriptures to see what Jesus was talking about, the scriptures testifying of him. And he was not talking about the New Testament scriptures because they had not been written yet. They were not written until well after he had ascended on high. So we will be searching the Old Testament to see what scriptures Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Christ, was referring to. So let's get this party started. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. Yes, Genesis chapter 1. We will be searching the scriptures and comparing them to Jesus. Okay? Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now, John begins his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John goes on to say in Chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John, of course, is speaking of Jesus, testifying to the second person of the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, together with the Father and the Spirit, is the creator of the universe. Okay? The writer to the Hebrews also testifies to this truth. Now, we still don't know who wrote Hebrews. We just know it was an apostle. I, I think he identified himself, but that, that page was lost. Uh, I don't know. That's just my guess. But we do know he is an apostle. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In these last days... God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he made the universe. So whoever this apostle was, he was on the same page with the apostle John, who wrote the gospel according to John. Okay, now for anything to exist at all, something or someone must have the power of existence within itself or himself, as John chapter 5, 26 testifies, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. Now, all effects have causes without the simple truth of cause and effect. Scientific analysis would be impossible. Indeed, knowledge itself would be impossible. The words that are written here are an effect caused in one sense by my fingers hitting the keyboard of my computer, okay? You and I are effects as well, contingent creatures caused physically through our natural parents. If we set our peg all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, 
we see that God is the ultimate cause of all that exists. God is uncaused, causer, the someone who has the power of eternal self-existence or aseity, which means self-existence. Now, scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is that someone. The modern notion that the universe somehow evolved by chance over millions or billions of years is astonishingly irrational. After all, chance is nothing but the odds of something happening. The odds that a coin will turn up heads 50% of the time, it is flipped. Now, the old cliche is applicable here that if you tell a big enough lie, people will begin to believe it. And that's what has happened, that Jesus ain't the Messiah. That is the biggest lie ever told in the history of this planet. While microevolution change within species has been observed in the laboratory, microevolution change from one species to another has not and never will be. Multitudes of people believe the lie of microevolution for neither scientific nor historical reasons. Their reasons are fundamentally sinful or flow from willful ignorance. They believe microevolution a godless explanation of beginnings because they want nothing to do with the personal creator God. To recognize God as creator would require personal accountability to that individual. And more than anything else, people want autonomy. They want to be a law unto themselves. We see that going on today in this world. Accountable only to themselves. Desiring autonomy, Adam and Eve gave into the serpent's challenge and through their sin dumped the whole human race into the sewer we know as human history. Throughout Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we read that everything the Lord God made, he considered good. But sin entered the world through the free and suborned choice of our first father, Adam. Adam rejected the very one who had given him life. Is it any wonder that without the grace of God in redemption, we, Adam's children, reject him too? But the creator of the universe is also the recreator. Jesus Christ came physically into the world to resurrect a lost and fallen creation. We read in John chapter 3, verse 16, which everyone should be well informed of. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The creator stands ready to welcome any who would simply put their faith in him, trust in Christ alone for salvation. Jesus Christ saves, recreates by his spirit and through his word, and not by any works that we might do. Salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you have never put your complete trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to do that now. However, saints, we will wait to the end of episode one and I will extend that invitation. John also says in John 1:14, we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Now, for me, grace and truth are the two greatest words ever. The truth is that Jesus Christ is our creator God. 
By grace, he is also our savior. Now, I want you to go to Genesis chapter one, verses one through five. We are going to cover and we're going to find Jesus in these scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And I want you guys to remember, I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, the first thing we might notice about these verses is that although we are not given all the specifics about God created or, or how God created the world, the earth was first characterized by darkness. The spirit of God hovered over the dark waters in the same way the Holy Spirit hovered over the Virgin Mary. That's in Luke chapter one, verse 35. Now this Holy One, Jesus, who was born of Mary, said in John chapter eight, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So as darkness was separated from light at creation, the darkness of sin is overcome in the birth of Jesus. Now, other New Testament writers bear witness to the light of Christ Jesus too. Luke, Luke records the reaction of the aged priest Simeon on seeing Jesus. If you guys can remember, God told Simeon that he would not die until he saw his savior. Now, Simeon took took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, Savon Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon didn't pass until he saw Jesus, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. That's in Luke chapter two, verse 28 through 32. Now, the light of Christ is the light of God's special revelation to all mankind. John speaks of John the baptizer's witness to, to Jesus's deity. Now, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That's in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. The true light illuminates our spiritual darkness, speaking the truth about our natural condition as sinful enemies of the creator while lighting the way to reunion and fellowship with him. In John chapter three, verses 19 through 21, we read this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, mankind's basic problem is that he loves evil. He loved darkness and doesn't want the truth of his evil exposed. So he suppresses the truth, the light that even the creation itself displays. Now, from what I'm going to read now is, let me tell you, it's deep. So you're going to have to pay careful attention to what I'm saying. 
the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I want you to focus on suppress. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Who? Man. Man in general. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that man or without excuse. That's Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. We have no excuse not to believe that God exists. No excuse. And if you believe he exists, you have to believe in Christ. The very word of God is the Messiah. He is the light that overshadowed the darkness in Genesis. That's who Jesus is. He is the light. Now, you need to understand what Romans chapter 1 verses 18 and 20 is talking about. That man have no excuse not to believe in God. Now, the creation screams the truth of a creator, but men suppress it. Remember, I say focus on that word suppress. What greater responsibility do those have who suppress the truth of God's word? Now, if you, I'm going to try to explain this darkness to you. You know, if you walk into a room that's well lit, that has no windows, well lit, and you cut the light out, you have entered darkness. You can't even see your hand before your face. Okay. The same black spiritual darkness consumes much of the world today. They can't see Jesus. They can't see God because they are still walking in darkness. And if you are in darkness, you are spiritually disconnected from God. Now in Matthew chapter six, verse 23, this is what Jesus says. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus came to bring us out of darkness into the true light. That is 1 John chapter 2 verse 8. In the same way as the world at large, the spiritual world is ultimate darkness without Christ. Without Christ, you are walking in darkness. I don't care what religion you are associated with. Without Christ, it is no way you can see God's light because Christ is that light. Now, the gracious provision of physical light at creation is reflected now by God's gracious provision of light for every believer. God says, let there be light to countless Christians around the world every day as they are brought into his family by his grace and as they grow in the knowledge and image of Jesus through his spirit and word. And that's one of the reasons why I'm sticking with the gospel. That is what every leader in the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, sharing the scriptures pertaining to Jesus. We are living in a world that has fallen and a world that is walking in darkness. We have people that go to a Christian church or a Christian assembly walking in darkness, living in darkness. They have no clue who Jesus is, which is why they can flip flop. You could see them on social media. They'll post something um, from the Holy Bible and then post something associated with idol gods. You won't, you, you can't do that if you are in God's light. 
And when I say you can't, you wouldn't be able to do it because if you are in God's light, you will stick with the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Now, let's talk a little bit about the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this before in one of my previous episodes, but we're going to go into more detail about this. Now, we are still in Genesis. Throughout this uh, 36-week series, I will be quoting um, some scriptures from the prophets who prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, that light. And uh, right now, we, we are going to talk more in depth about the seed of the woman. Now, go to Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Verses 14 and 15. I shared these scriptures with you before, but now I'm going to go into more detail. So the Lord God said to the serpent, who is an alias for Satan, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring or either your seed and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now following God's creation of Adam and before he made Eve, he gave this single admonition to Adam and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. That is Genesis chapter two, verses 16 and 17. That was the beginning of the fall of man. Under Satan's temptation, Eve ate and gave some to her husband and he also ate, but they didn't die physically. This is what I want you guys to understand. They didn't die physically, that is. Nevertheless, something terrible had happened. Previously, they had walked and talked with God in the garden, in friendship and fellowship. Now, spiritually dead, they were disconnected from God the moment they disobeyed him. They hid from God, rejecting his friendship. They were ashamed and uh, uh, they attempted to cover their nakedness. Now, God called for them and said this in Genesis 3.13. What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. I ate. Now, before I move further, let me tell you something. If God gives you a commandment and someone deceives you, it's because you allowed them to deceive you because you have to make a choice. Either you listen to God or you don't. That's what you have to do. Either you listen to God or you follow some false teacher. Okay. Now, uh, you have to remember God cursed the serpent for leading the couple into sin. Uh-huh. The serpent had to pay too. He told him that he would crawl on his belly and eat dust and that something else would happen. The King James Version says this. It's in uh, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You ever wondered who the seed of the serpent is? Hmm. Since through a woman's sin entered the world, a woman would, would one day bring the solution. This woman, the enemy of Satan, is well known to students of history. Y'all ready for this? I know you haven't heard this before unless you are attending a uh, ministry where 
the pastor is a true teacher. Now that she is the nation Israel. Mm-hmm. Say the seed of the woman. Yeah, the woman is Israel. Now through whom would come the promised Messiah? From Pharaoh's cruelty of the Hebrew slaves right up to the present day, this enmity between Satan and the woman has been clearly seen. The ultimate seed of the woman is none other than the Lord Jesus. That's the ultimate seed of the woman. But the woman that the Bible is talking about in Genesis is Israel, the nation Israel, who is also known as a woman. Now in Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says this, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. That's in Galatians chapter four, verse four. Now, yes, Jesus was born under the law. This, this is why he kept all 613 of the laws of Moses so that we wouldn't have to do it. Yes, so that we wouldn't have to do it. Now, the prophet Isaiah spoke of this woman and her seed in chapter 7, verse 14 in Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ultimately, when the time had fully come, Jesus would be born of a woman, of a virgin, and she from the house of David. We read these words in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 and 24. See, we are comparing scriptures now from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew 1, 19 through 24 reads as follows. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, who was Mary's fiance at the time, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, for those of you who don't know what the name Jesus means, it means Jehovah has become our salvation. That is what the name Jesus means. Now, we just read in Isaiah 7:14 where it says uh, the virgin will be be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That means God with us. Now, Emmanuel is who Jesus was, but that wasn't his name. His name Jesus means Jehovah has become our salvation. Okay. Um, let me continue to read the latter part of Matthew 1924. Uh, what did I stop at? Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jehovah has become our salvation. Now, why a virgin? You ever wondered that? Why? Why did God choose a virgin? First, the writer to the Hebrews tells us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, who is he? Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is, the devil. The devil was holding the power of death until Jesus resurrected from the grave. And that's in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Now our Savior had to be born like any other man. 
but without the, con the uh, contamination, the sin nature that is universally passed from generation to generation through human sex. Okay. Now, excuse me. The technical term for what is handed down is original sin. That's the technical term. Now, second, Jesus was not only fully man, but fully God. He is the God man. His true earthly father had to be the eternal heavenly father through the overshadowing of the Virgin Mary by his spirit. And who is the seed or offspring of Satan? You all, you guys ever wondered that? Because it says your seed and his seed. He was going to put enmity between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. You ever wondered that? Well, he is the Antichrist. That is the seed of the devil. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the father and the son. Now, Jesus is to crush the Antichrist head, even as the Antichrist would bruise his heel or the heel of Jesus. Now, as the prophet Isaiah said, long before Christ went to the cross, long before Christ went to the cross, Isaiah prophesied this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. That's Isaiah chapter 53 verse five. Now I want you to key in on this little section here. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The punishment, Jesus being bruised for our iniquity. That's the punishment, okay, that brought us peace. Oh, yes. Oh, my Lord. What Jesus endured just so that you and I can have peace. I don't think no human being on this planet could have endured but the deity in him kept him on course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's Isaiah 53 verse 5. Now, I'm going to cover this uh, to end episode 1. This this last part about um, Jesus being the second Adam. Now, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, it says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Remember, Jesus said, if your eye, if darkness is in your eye, your whole body is full of darkness and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. See, that's the flesh, the sinful flesh. This is one of the reasons why. Um, Jesus could not be born from the blood of Mary because Mary was born in sin as well. And for those of you who, who still don't get it, Mary was never a deity. She was a regular woman like me. She was just a virgin. I was a virgin at one point and she was still a sinner. If she didn't believe in her son, Jesus being Lord and Savior, she ain't saved or she wasn't saved when she died. But yes, it is recorded Mary believed that Jesus was Lord and Savior. Now, let me read Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 again. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for, great, for gaining wisdom, 
She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, when God created Adam, but before Eve was created, he gave the man this simple commandment. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And this is one of the reasons why we age and die today, because man was created to live forever. But because Adam and Eve sinned against God by not following that one commandment, they could have eaten from any tree in that garden except that one. Why do we always want what we are told we can't have? That's your flesh. That's your flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, in Genesis 2, 16, 17, the Bible is clear. When you eat of it, you will surely die. And they chose to eat from it. It doesn't matter what the serpent was telling them. They ignored what God had said, like most of you are doing today about his son. God told us that in John three sixteen that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And these words came out of the mouth of Jesus, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Now, God had created a good man, a man of high intellect and character in Adam and placed him in a garden environment that was not only beautiful, but it was also filled with his every need. Adam didn't want for anything. Now, in that perfect environment, Adam chose to commit rebellion against the one who loved him and had given him everything he needed. The Bible tells us that when Adam rebelled against his creator, the whole world fell under a curse. God said these things to our first father in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. That's why we have all these problems today. That's why sickness is here. That's why sin is running rampant because the ground is still cursed. That's why we are having these pandemics. And until this earth is destroyed completely, we will continue to have pandemics. Okay, uh, let me finish reading that scripture. Uh, when God told Adam not to eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweet Oh, I'm sorry, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. All of the evil you are seeing today in our government, all the pandemics that are popping up, wasn't the, look, COVID-19 wasn't the first and it will not be the last. All the sicknesses you are seeing, cancer, people having strokes. Look, let me tell you something. As long as the ground remains cursed, we will see these things happening. And the ground is going to stay cursed until this earth is destroyed. Uh-huh. That's why we need a savior. Many thousands of years ago, our forefather Adam made the decision to disobey his creator. And we are suffering the consequences of his decision along with every member of the human race who has ever lived, save one. Mm -hmm. 
save one. When Adam sinned, we sinned and, and everybody else sinned. And we are all under God's condemnation, those who are outside of Christ. Now, all humanity is in Adam in the sense that Adam is the federal head, the representative of the human race. Now, over the course of history, many have scoffed at the idea of a federal headship of human race. They shoved the story of Adam and Eve into the closet of being a fable mm -hmm. and deride any who would see it as the underpinning of human history. Now, some of those who scoff have even called themselves Christians. Uh-huh. But biblical Christianity rises or falls on the accuracy of the biblical record of Adam. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, that's Adam, why people are still dying today. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Okay, those are in Christ are now declared justified in the eyes of God because of Christ. Not anything we have done, but because of what Christ did on the cross. God see us as justified in his son Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, in a perfect garden environment, Adam failed to do what God required because the garden was perfect. He was told to keep one simple command. The second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, came to this earth in squalor and oppression, not in a perfect garden environment like Adam was in. And yet he kept all of God's commandments perfectly. He withstood Satan's attacks and never sinned, not even once, not even in thought. Jesus became the federal head of a new race. Those who have been resurrected to new life by the power of God's spirit are found to be in Christ and in Christ alone. By the grace of God, for those who have been resurrected into new life, the curse has been turned into a great blessing. Hallelujah. Now, saints, we are going to stop right there. And hopefully I was able to give you a taste of what is to come. We are going to cover a lot of ground in the Old Testament, because we are searching the scriptures, like Jesus said, in them we think we have eternal life, but it's the scriptures that speak of me. And I just paraphrase there. But yes, we are searching the scriptures because they speak of Jesus. It's going to get more in depth. Now, for those of you who do not know the Savior, I invite you right now, right now, to come to the altar. You don't have to prepare yourself. You don't have to stop doing anything. No, you do not. Just come as you are and say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, in your word, you says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning I know that he is your son. He is the son of the living God. And if I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, meaning I know he is alive and well right now, I shall be saved. Hallelujah. 
Now, if you confess that simple prayer, my friends, my believers, my sisters and brothers in Christ, you are now ushered into the household of faith. Hallelujah. Find a faith-based teaching church and be baptized so that you can follow in the baptism of Jesus. It is symbolic to his death, burial, and resurrection. So saints, until next time, peace out. enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.